0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode 169. I am your host, Mark Shapiro, and I am delighted to have as my guest in this episode Dr. Courtney Howard and Jesse Spur, and they join us from far-flung corners of the world to discuss an incredible new conference that's coming later this year called CODA 2020. They are both involved in the development of CODA. Jesse is an ICU nurse. Courtney is an emergency physician, and they are both key parts of this brand new conference that is focusing on global healthcare and climate change. Dakota is going to have many evolutions in the coming years this is the place that they decided to start it could not have come at a better time and in this conversation we get into information sharing, and collaboration how to elevate the topic of climate change so that it's resonant not just in the conference but that we all go home from the conference with something to share with tools to provide so we can really start to move the needle at scale I use the term we intentionally because I am delighted to say that I am going to be participating in CODA 2020 as a member of the conference faculty. I cannot wait to get there. It is going to be an extraordinary experience. We are going to be in Melbourne, Australia from September 28th to October 2nd of 2020. Jesse... Courtney and the entire CODA team have really created something very, very special. Please take a look at the website. There are links in the show notes. You can also just Google CODA 2020 and you will find the site. Registration goes live on April 1st of 2020. There are going to be people from all around the world at this event. And to hear the two of them talk about it, to hear the backgrounds that brought them to this subject matter and that brought us to this place where CODA now exists is just incredibly exciting and incredibly compelling If you have the opportunity to come join us at CODA, please do, but certainly sink your teeth into this conversation. And if you're interested in more climate change-related content, there is a link in the show notes for all of the climate change-related episodes on Explore the Space. They focus on any number of topics, but we do hone in specifically a lot on the issue of climate change and human health Definitely please subscribe to Explore the Space wherever you'd like to download your podcasts. We will have lots more content around climate change coming as well as all of the other great topics that you come here to listen to. Definitely leave us a rating and a review. And if you have the opportunity to amplify on social media or – Tell your friends and colleagues and family about Explore the Space. Obviously, that really helps the show out. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can find me on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. And you can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. The whole archive of the show, all 169 episodes are there, www.explorethespaceshow.com. And our show notes are pretty stacked in this episode. We've got all the stuff you'd need to learn more about CODA, as well as links to find Jesse and Courtney on Twitter. So definitely take the opportunity to scroll through the show notes to find out more about this conference. It is going to be very, very special. This conversation is very special. I'm really excited to be a part of CODA 2020, and it was just an absolute blast to hear the energy that's coming out of the people who are driving this thing forward. I think you're going to really enjoy listening. So without further ado, Dr. Courtney Howard and Jesse Spur, Jesse and Courtney, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you both so much for coming on. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. I'm I'm white-knuckling with excitement around this. We took our time getting this scheduled, and this is the furthest reach of Explore the Space for sure. We're in California, Canada, and Australia right now between the three of us, which for me is aspirational in the extreme.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you're very far up the empty part of Canada too, or the almost empty part, so we're in the subarctic on my end, so this is really spread out
0: we are all in areas that are challenged and what we're talking about here right we're, we're we're we've come together to have a conversation around a conference that's coming up in 2020 but also around these larger themes around being in healthcare recognizing that climate change and healthcare go hand in hand that's sort of our starting point point. and Courtney actually i want to start with you you've done this TED Talk, it's it's been very, very well received. There were two things in it that really resonated with me. One of them was this idea of acknowledging that human health and climate change are in lockstep. They're in parallel and they're in series. And to look at them, to not look at them that way is a strategic misstep, but to look at them in that way is also a real opportunity. And then in context, the analogy that you created of the earth as our patient and we have some pretty aberrant vital signs we have some findings that are really concerning we recognize the need for urgent intervention and that if we make those interventions we have the opportunity for a successful resuscitation but without intervention we're looking at some really serious problems that's such a really nice strategic view when you talk to people about that strategic view whether it's on your ted talk whether it's talking with a colleague whether it's you know, meeting with your community members in the subarctic, where does that land for people?
1: I think it resonates with a lot of people, especially healthcare providers and particularly people who do work in critical care. I first became attuned to the health crisis of climate change in 2009. I had just finished residency and I was aware I didn't know anything other than medicine because that's all I'd done for about 10 years. And, uh, so I, picked up a book on climate change on my way up to a locum which happened to be in uh, the high arctic in Nuvik in december and so i was reading this book in what turned out to be one of the most rapidly warming places in earth and i not a lot to do in Nunavik in december you know there's a lot of time for contemplation and so i was by the time i was part way through the book it was clear to me that this was badness and so i started a lit review as we do And it was right after the Lancet had come out with its 2009 first commission, which said that climate change is the biggest health threat of the 21st century. And so I read that sitting actually in the emergency department in Inuvik. And I was just like, how did I miss this? You know, I just, I just finished training, you know, a top emergency program in Canada, and we somehow missed the biggest one. Right. And so I started, and because I was in one of those rapidly warming places, I was asking around, and it's an indigenous area right at the um, junction of territory between Gwich'in, Dene, and Inuvialuit people. And so people still get a lot of their lean protein from the land, they hunt, um, they depend on it for a lot of different cultural factors, and when you talk to people, they say, you know... used to be safe when we went out on the ice now we're really worried we're gonna fall through Um, our hunts are less successful we spend more money on gas because we have to go around all the lakes where it's not safe you know Um, and all of that impacts not only their food security which is documented by health canada but also their mental health because you can imagine if you grew up somewhere and some of these elders are now living in a place that's actually three degrees celsius warmer than it was when they were born um, so that means permafrost on hills, it melts and it turns into what looks like a landslide. So they say things like, you know, there weren't any landslides around when I was little and now they're everywhere. And so when um, people research that, the name they give to that feeling of feeling homesick when they're still at home is solastalgia. And we're starting to have words for that, like ecological grief and eco-anxiety. So I went from there almost straight to Djibouti in the Horn of Africa where I was working for Doctors Without Borders on a pediatric malnutrition project. And little ones with malnutrition, severe acute malnutrition, they get septic really, really easily. And so we it was more resuscitating than I'd ever done in my entire life. And unfortunately, you know, we, we did save some kids, but a lot of them died. But it was just this real sort of juxtaposition between the the new uh, awareness of climate change and the urgency of it and this repeated resuscitation. And over the course of my six months there, we got the team to a place where we were much better. You know, we we had done a lot of training and we had a couple saves near the end where, you know, I felt like it was really our teamwork and the fact that we had really clear goals and really clear assignment that meant that we were able to bring those little physiologic bodies back from a really sort of uh, critical place in terms of their physiology. And so when I then came from there back to the north, it was just so so real in my head how if you act together in a focused way, you really can make a huge difference to physiologic bodies. And I know that there are some elements of the earth system that, that will respond if we act really concretely in a focused way and we act together now.
0: So that brings us to... One of the themes about explore the space that I love, and it's the idea of how we collaborate. And you talked about that a little bit, right? With your experiences, your team through experience, through observation, you got better. You improved how you were doing things and it was motivating. You're doing it in that context of people becoming ill because of things related to climate change. So then that brings us to, well, we need the right forum to have these conversations so we can do it at scale. It's great if it's one-on-one. We're in a place now where we need to do this at scale, where we need to integrate, educate, motivate, make aspirational for everybody. And that's why we have Jesse. So Jesse is expert at two things, providing healthcare, but you also coordinate conferences. And so this brings us to what kind of what's coming up. And that's this CODA 2020. So I'm going to stop there, Jesse, because I love the name. It's provocative. It's a little mysterious. What is CODA 2020?
2: Thanks, Mark. And so, Coda, I guess, it, it felt to many when we launched it at the final SMAC conference, the social media and critical care conference in Sydney in two thousand and nineteen, was essentially what it what happened is Coda was born out of the rolling up of the SMAC conference, which had been really successful in building a community and had also been shaped by the conference community and the broader sort of social media community that had grown around SMAC. Um, SMAC had its origins in 2013 as a critical care conference that was, I guess, powered by social media. The initial one was a meeting of a lot of people that uh, knew each other from Twitter, were developing and consuming blogs and podcasts when it was still in a fairly nascent sort of territory. um, And the community just boomed out of that. What we saw as the conference evolved over the six years from 2013 to 2019 was also a community-guided change in the focus and subject matter that were based on the feedback we got from conference to conference. Would be great to see more diversity, both gender and ethnicity, diversity on stage. That was sort of some of the first work that was done in the conference. Um, and then that evolved to really, I guess, leaning much more towards uh, global outlook uh, territory that wasn't traditionally confined in a critical care Medical conference. So my background's an intensive care nurse. The founders of the Smack conference were Roger Harris and Ollie Flower, and a, heavy, a lot of heavy lifting by Chris Nixon, who are all intensive care specialists in Australia. And the first one really started off as a big thought experiment and a bit something a bit crazy, a bit irreverent, a bit disruptive of the fairly stale um, professional body type conference. Structures and evolved into steering this in a whole different community-driven direction. Where that got to last year was a bit of a sad spot where the guys felt like SMAC had done what had intended to. There gets to a point, I guess, where it can start to feel like forced innovation. Um, but also then in the weeks coming up to the last SMAC conference with the energy and just the passion of the members of the community... It just felt wrong to let that go, um, to just close the doors on it and kind of leave this big empty space. And that is, I guess, where CODA was born, which is at that time was just a idea of a collaboration to tackle some bigger global health issues that was a partnership with the Georgia Institute for Global Health and the New England Journal of Medicine and the SMAC community. So the initial sort of drive around that was then a website opened up with some uh, with a place for members of the, the SMAC transitioning to CODA community to drive the agenda and the primary big issue to tackle in the first CODA conference, which is happening in September and October this year in Melbourne. And the big, big issue that came out of the community was the climate health emergency. So that kind of gets us to where we are. Where we're going is a big mobilisation of the existing SMAC community. We want that—that's our people we want to bring along, but also reaching out to out of our bubble as well and um, into all sorts of different global health professions and communities, and lots of partnerships with primary care, with the planetary health crew, getting to work with Courtney and Hugh Montgomery and others, and just—it's blown my mind because I guess I was a. Green in my political ideology, but probably a good eight to ten years behind the the wave that Courtney's uh, rode and sort of and blazoned forward. So it's been a steep, steep learning curve to dive deeper into the climate science and um, and all of the activism that's going on
0: around there. So Courtney, for you, when you hear a discussion of a conference that's set up for an international audience. With that as the primary objectives in the background, knowing where you're coming from and what you've given your TED Talks on and what you do media hits on all the time, how does that land for you? Is th- Are we doing the right work? I think I know the answer, but I want to I hear, like, how does that resonate when you think to yourself, this is the right work, we need to amplify, we need to do it at scale, and then we get to hear Jesse kind of talk about what's in store. Yeah,
1: it's really exciting it is the right initiative at the right time oh gosh yeah no it is totally the right initiative at the right time in fact i don't know what i would be doing right now if it wasn't happening because it's so needed i think i would actually be trying to create it from scratch myself (laughs) totally totally. so because we're at a place where you know there has been a small community of people who've been working on this but we've been tremendously underpowered um so a lot of people doing a lot of work off the side of their desk you know i'm now the president of the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment. So I'm lucky that, you know, some docs started this in Canada about 20 years ago. So by the time I came, we had a secretariat, you know, we had a couple staff. And once you have staff, you can really move things forward. So we've been seeing how the health voice can exert change. So, we, and we've been successful, and the reason is that um, there are studies that show that uh, when you frame climate change in terms of health, it just helps people understand what the actual impacts are. And, you know, we're seeing those now, so, you know, the, the horrible smoke and, and deaths with the fires in, in, you know, California and Australia and smoke up here, floods which, you know, can cause trauma, they can send people evacuating from their homes, and they can... Uh, mess up your drinking water supply and contaminate it and of course there's mental health impacts associated with all of that you know changing vector-borne disease uh, drought potential for malnutrition conflict displacement there's just a tremendous impact on actual health that we need to anticipate and then there's the impact on health care so we've seen hospitals evacuated emergently in in multiple different uh jurisdictions now because of fire mostly yes we we have have.
0: (laughs) i've I've lived and felt that myself so yes
1: Oh, man, yeah, and, and hearing stories coming out of California and Australia, I mean, they've just been really, uh, you know, I've really been feeling those in my heart. And so we know that our health systems, we, we need to act to protect them. And, you know, the logistical supply chains that we depend on for healthcare. care, working in Djibouti, uh, you know, once you've seen a bare shelf as a doctor, you appreciate your full cabinet much better. And so, you know, it's actually the Doctors Without Borders um, logisticians that I've been speaking with. And we have one on our team who are very concerned about how we're going to increase the resilience in our supply chain so that we can make sure we can continue doing our job as the world changes. We're the stewards of these systems. And this is a diagnosis that, you know, impacts every single one of us. And so it. You know, it's something, it's work that we do for our patients. It's work that we do as part of, you know, the Hippocratic tradition of our professions where we set our our learners up for success. And it's something we do for our patients and our, our family and everybody we love. That's where we come in. We make the human impacts really clear to people so they understand what these stakes actually are. And what's great is that a lot of the solutions are actually good for health too. What I actually love about this work is it's super interesting because you get to interact with people from a whole bunch of different disciplines and learn from them and learn new ways of being able to do what we all went into our health professions to do anyhow, which is improve health.
0: So Jesse, I want to hone in a little bit, right? The three of us and in our respective communities, we've all kind of reflected a little bit on how we've been impacted by climate change already. We're all in healthcare. We want to have conversations that move the needle for our colleagues. We also want to make sure we're getting out of that echo chamber a little bit and, and touching as many people as we can, recognizing, as Courtney just so nicely laid out, the urgency that we're facing. When you're putting CODA together, what is your vision of who it's for? And by that, I mean for people to actually come and be in the seats and be part of that community. But then beyond that, what, is, what do you want the ripple effect to be from CODA? That's a big question,
2: and I suppose the first- It's a monster starting, question, and I framed it man.
0: specifically for you.
2: Thanks, man. <laughs> um, I guess the, the a really nice phrase that um, Courtney relayed from one of her colleagues just hit it for me when we're really thinking about who's this for, and it's this idea of the aspiring individual. There's a lot of us in healthcare that will never go down the rabbit hole on, say, climate change emergency that Courtney has- but we often don't meet up with each other that do have those depths of, of passion and activism. Um, that A lot of the time where you, you hit it nicely, we're in our echo chambers. So there's the Planetary Health Conference kind of groups. There's this, there's SMAC sitting over there talking in our own relative bubble with maybe a bit of outreach because of a social media platform. So I guess the thing about CODA is it's not just a climate conference that is the action item that we're tackling this year that sits within one of four pillars in CODA so looking outward around that we've got the earth pillar which this year the big issue driven by the community is the climate health emergency that act as an action item means there's a huge body of six months plus worth of work being done by the climate action working groups to distill some really clear both micro meso and macro actions that, that healthcare practitioners can take away and drive, and then we're going to track them over the coming years of CODA. There's some really cool and innovative stuff bubbling away in terms of how that's going to happen, and that'll be launched as we, we go forward. So there's going to be sort of four key action areas that are launched through the three days of the main conference at CODA in the climate space. In addition to that, there's other pillars, which are cure, education and ethics. And a lot of the stuff that Court just went through in terms of empowering uh, different genders and and ethnic groups as well, and the improvement that that has on environmental um, health as well as human health are really important subjects to tackle. So we've got four key pillars. Each will be addressed um, across each of the three days of the conference. And each year as CODA goes forward, one of those pillars will have an action focus to it. So next year, um, the action focus is going to be equity, particularly looking at gender equity um, and healthcare disparities. And then the year after that in 2022, a big focus is going to be the global burden of the disease of sepsis.
0: You've laid out such a great and intelligent roadmap it's, it's exciting for me. The fact that you use the word aspiration, I just started beaming. I, I, that word carries so much weight for me in so many different directions and that that's part of the mission of CODA is, is so exciting. Who actually gets to come? Who, who's going to fill the hall? We're all going to be in the room together for the whole time. We're all going to be a community of one. Who, where are you building this community from?
2: Look, I think we're pragmatic and realistic in that we're hoping that, it, that it's not too huge a leap for a lot of our team of SMAC um, audience and, and community to come forward on the journey as well. There'll be some familiar names and faces in there, some nice Easter eggs for the SMAC uh, crew. <laughs> but also... We do want to reach out and get out of our echo chamber. So I guess the answer to your question, quite optimistically, is the first four thousand people that can hit the <laughs> registration <laughs> nice. button on April exactly. first. Yeah, it sounds a bit ambitious, but we have had that experience with um, the Smack conferences, with crashing servers on the day that Rego goes. Stories of people waiting till two a.m. Um, uh, to to hop online, like registering for a ticket for a music festival. So there's Big ambition there but I don't think it's totally ego driven and I think there is a huge group of people just want it from all sorts of di- different healthcare disciplines and the general public look a lot of this will be accessible in nature and style it's TED talk sort of style uh, quite irreverent we're carrying the irreverence forward from smack of actually a bit of self deprecation a bit of iconoclysm, and just trying to slay some some false idols i guess so hopefully it's accessible to a whole heap of people um it there is some nerves there from us obviously it's a big big leap outside of our own community but um i guess whenever you're doing that you surround yourself with experts um and
0: reach out to some great people
2: like yourself and and others around the world
0: so courtney i i have a puzzle and i want to frame the puzzle for you So you laid out the challenge for us, I think, really nicely. Jesse's laid out the infrastructure that we get, the way we get to do it, the way we all get to be together, to learn together, to build community together. All of us have been to conferences before. I think we've probably all had the same experience that when you're there, the energy, the voltage, all of it, it's, 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 it's apex stuff. You go home and the voltage drops a lot. You go back to work, you go back to life, you kind of, the euphoria fades. But what I'm hearing from both of you is that there's, there's, there's a call to action. Jesse, you laid that out, that there is a call to action around this. So for you, Courtney, how do we then, we're making this big investment. We're all going to go to Melbourne. We're going to convene. We're going to do this work together. How do we make it stick? How do we keep that voltage high as we move through the code experience and then come back home?
1: So we spent last week in a basically we spent the last month generating these action plans. And so we've managed to convene a group of, you know, multidisciplinary group of some of basically my favorite people in the space, the people I respect the most, who get the most done, who are wonderful, who are action oriented, like world class, well big time. And so we brainstormed a list of potential action items and really looking at things, these three levels that Jesse was talking about. So the micro level. So what can you do yourself at home and your family or at the level of an interaction with an individual patient? So the micro level means a level change you can make in your community or at your hospital and macro level things that happen at a subnational or a national level. So building a ladder of engagement. And what I have found is that action feels better than anxiety on this. So What a great point.
0: I really like that. Action feels better than anxiety. That that's sticky. I like that
1: it gets addictive. It, it really does. And so the way I find that this works is if you, you know, you, you pick a target first for change and, you know, you build the team you need to make that change. And it might just be you, you make the change. You're like, wow, that felt great. You get a dopamine bump and that makes you ambitious and you want to take on another one. And so what I've seen happen many times now, cause you know, I've been doing this for a little while and I've mentored a lot of docs along this, you know, you start little and then you build skills. So you know, today, someone like today, someone that I, you know, brought into the fold a couple of years ago, you know, she did her first presentation on climate change and health at, her, at Rounds. Um, she was helping to launch a huge national report in Canada today and doing media around that on um, hydraulic fracturing. And so people build, doctors are smart, nurses are smart. You know, our entire community is incredibly smart. They're going to learn this stuff really fast. And so what we're trying to do is is provide a place for everybody to engage and create a, a plan that really addresses what needs to get done so that it doesn't lack for engageability but also doesn't lack for ambition. And so in fact, I think we're gonna be I I, I am building for a huge incredible wave of engagement because what we'll get to do is take that energy. And have it be its own independent thing, but also feed into existing initiatives that are just waiting for more energy. You know, Doctors for the Environment Australia, um, different initiatives um, in the U.S. You know, this this can input resources, time, and and personnel. And so I think this is going to give a lift to a lot that's already existing and make a lot of new things possible. And I what I see happening is actually this catching, it, it, it's going to be like wildfire. So
0: interesting analogy. I like it. It's it, <laughs> you caught my attention with wildfire. So Jesse, now we have to get granular because we're going to convene September 28th, to October 2nd of 2020. I, I am so excited to be a part of this. the The tagline, forget every traditional conference you've ever been to and prepare for a totally new experience. Give us some granularity. What does the day-to-day rhythm look like? If if there's room for a little name dropping, who do we get to hear from? What are the things that are going to actually happen when we hit the ground running on September 28th?
2: I'll try and be as concise as possible. Right? <laughs> I guess th- picking up on what Court said, there's some very deliberate uh, design decisions that have been made to, uh, a- and that's reflecting on stuff that was done somewhat by accident with Smack that has worked to kind of keep momentum forward. A big part of that is just the general style and culture of the way that the speakers and chairs and everyone involved models um, interaction in the conference. So there's a deliberate flattening of hierarchy. Um, there's no titles on on our name tags and things like that. So it's it you meet someone in the coffee line and you just appraise them as a fellow part of that community straight away that is just
0: so smart i love that
2: small things like small things like that um and i i guess at a at a attitude level then there's also the diving into very craft group specific stuff people still need to get their cpd and cme as part of this otherwise it's a very hard luxury to warrant to go to put this before another International conference for the year. So there's 50 uh, around 50 pre conference workshops and mini symposia to choose from, spanning really craft specific clinical content such as emergency medicine update, primary care. There's partnerships with prior existing conferences. So Resus Toronto, which is a successful small, very sim driven conference, um, run the last two years in Toronto, is coming and doing a two day pre con in Melbourne for Coda. Um, so. Right through to a uh, healthcare sustainability workshop, a fun and well being workshop. So there's all sorts of smaller opportunities to meet your tribe for these aspiring individuals, to meet their tribe, meet those really down to a granular level like minds. And then you carry those new friendships through uh, social events and the rest of the conference and uh, just the general vibe of that. The second thing deliberate within the The conference program design, so myself and Mary Freer um, have chaired the program development for the three days of the main CODA conference has been a very deliberate narrative design. So day one is very much around big narratives, rich stories, and the speakers are have been very much chosen as storytellers with the deliberate intent to maybe frame things a bit differently to how many of us in the audience have heard a story told before about a particular topic that we may have some preconceived ideas about. So a bit of an unfreeze intent. Then day two, moving into more a co-creation format, so a simulation-driven uh, hypothetical discussion and culminating at the end of the day in something that uh, we're kind of thinking is quite uh Bold is one word for it, crazy is another, is a live on stage forum where we have a small active audience on the stage and some uh, three or four main interview subjects looking at the uh, issues around what is success in healthcare and who pays the cost for that. So diving into some of the disparities, but also some of the burdens um, within healthcare. And then day three, we take a step from that co-creation format style, which is very panel and and bringing in the audience of CODA and more members of the community to um, tackle big issues. Day three, we move to more outward looking and posing our speakers in more coaching roles of actually, this is what this is what we've heard. This is what our plans are. Now, what are some skills to deal with it and how do we manage things? So Courtney's going to be speaking about eco-anxiety and grief before we go off to actually, we need some strategies to manage this as we go out and uh, unfreeze people. It's very uncomfortable, that cognitive dissonance alone without the sheer Terror of the magnitude so some speakers yourself graciously um, have thrown yourself at the mercy to say just <laughs> use me wherever you want I'll do everything so you're going to be a busy man uh, can't um, wait the opening session alone just has, shows some of the crazy diversity so we've yeah. got Andre Magnusson who's a Icelandic author who's become a fairly significant um, alternative voice in climate activism Weaving in Norse mythology, his personal experiences, telling some amazing stories um, about, I guess, the changing a different narrative. It's such a huge narrative that, and one of the quotes I love from him is this idea of that Earth is now moving at human speed. We're used to it, and our appraisal of it is that Earth moves much slower at a at a geological speed, but it's now sped up to human speed, and we don't really know what to do with that.
0: It's it's just an incredible construct. It's, you know, Courtney, you did such an elegant job of helping to frame the problem. It's going to take apex level creativity, fresh ideas, community, all of these things. And I'm sitting here listening to this and I've done my research and this is why I want to be a part of this so much is it really does feel like the right match for the challenge. It's not going to be the only thing, right? We're going to be mobilizing. There's going to be more and more people engaging, but what an amazing place to, to come together and engage. It's, it's going to be something really special and really extraordinary. As we go forward, obviously people are going to want to learn more. They're going to want to learn more about the both of you, CODA 2020 as a whole. Courtney, you first, can you just give us a sense if people want to learn more about you and your work, how do they find you?
1: I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter. I'm at Court G. Howard on Twitter. Um, I also have a website, drcourtneyhoward.ca. And yeah, the thing I think I'm the most excited about this is the solidarity, is the yeah. community. Because I come across a lot of lonely climate advocates, and there is no worse feeling than, you know, going down the internet rabbit hole at one in the morning with your kids in bed and worrying and feeling lonely and not knowing what to do. And I, And this fixes that. So when we, you know, when we look at what Marshall Gann says it takes to create change, it's things like hope, it's things like solidarity, it's things like knowing that you can make a difference because you've seen an example of someone who has, and we're really, really deliberately showing all of that. And I think it's just going to, you know, I was at the ocean the other day, and I realized watching these, you know, incredibly powerful waves coming through, that somehow I'd started to conceive of nature as being fragile. But in fact, nature is so powerful. And when you think about (laughs) it, we're part of nature, you know, and, and we are the most powerful when we come together and we really own that and work as, as one sort of organism. And it's things like we, we all have that experience in the clinical world. And I think that we bring that teamwork and that ability to come together in a cohesive way towards focus goals. And I, I'm just really excited. I think it's going to be awesome.
0: So Jesse, for those who want to come together at Coda 2020, how do they find Coda 2020? How do they register? How do they find you?
2: Thank you, Doug. So uh, codachange.org is the website, and there's, that's growing daily at the moment. Um, we've pivoted from, from Smack over to Coda as the digital footprint. So another unique feature of the Smack conferences, and I think this is one of the things that kind of keeps the action and the conversation going, is every talk from the conference, as well as a lot of the pre, pre-cons, is recorded and released as podcasts throughout the following 12 months. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage people to look, one, look at the website, codachange.org. Registration will go live on April 1st, a little bit of a silly April Fool's joke, but it is actually <laughs> on April 1st. I think I feel like we'll be explaining that a lot. The um, program <laughs> will be live uh, around the first week of February, the draft program, the not quite final, but but enough to get you a really good idea of it. The other big avenue, if you want a bit of a taste and a feel of what Coda will be about in terms of style, is all of the SMAC 2019 talks and other segments are coming out currently and that's on the Coda Change uh, podcast uh, channel. Um, So subscribing to that and following Coda Change on Twitter as well is a really good way of getting that and markets tagged into pretty much everything that's posted and is uh, helping amplify that myself i'm just a small cog in the wheel of this but um there's a little bit more about all of the executive that sit behind coda we're all volunteering our time i think that's an important thing to to note as well i'm somewhat overexposed on the internet not in a bad way most of it's stuff i'd be happy to have on there so googling me but um if you want to get in touch and have a chat and throw ideas around twitter is definitely the best medium for me with that and on there at, at inject underscore orange bit of an old school nursing simulation reference
0: <laughs> now you guys will have links to all of that great stuff uh in our show notes for this episode as well and the website's great it's this is going to be really special i am i'm honored to be a part of it as I'm hearing the two of you speak about it, it's just giving me that fresh jolt of of, of dopamine, right, the, of of action trumps anxiety. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited to be part of this. It's It's going to be really, really special. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you both so much for your work, for sharing, for kind of framing this resource that's available. This is going to be really wonderful. Thank you both so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. This gives me energy to go perfect those action plans tomorrow. So thanks for having us and for uh, the great conversation.
0: Thanks heaps,
2: Mark. It's a bit of a fanboy moment because I'm a big fan of the podcast. So it's great to be on it.
0: Thank you both so much. We'll see you in September 2020 at Coda. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, com, And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to Mark at ExploreTheSpaceShow.com.